Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts that's stamps.com code program hey my friends we will be right back to the show but i have a question for you are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma well know that you're not alone I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal in company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book 
book.thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com where you can get a copy of my number one bestselling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself. And that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. Super excited to be joined by my guest today, Sharon Valenti, who is honestly one of the most incredible people. I've had the privilege of bringing on the show the way she thinks, the way she processes, the way that she helps people become the master of their thoughts and emotion and seek a shift in themselves is really powerful. Sharon, my friend, how are you today? I am exceedingly well. How are you? I love that. You know, it's funny because some people just go, I'm fine or I'm good. And, you know, I, I love that. I love to take it to the next level. You know, I think even if you start off and go, I'm amazing, like that change of people aren't used to that. Right. But that also plays a pivotal role in your life. Um, so before we get started, we dive in. Can you give a little bit of background and context and tell everybody how you got to where you are today? Yeah, I'll make a long story shorter. Um Things just weren't good in my young life, like so many of us. And I had a rough childhood, alcoholic parents, um, sexual abuse by my father, physical abuse constantly from my mother. And that became a pattern in my life as I, as a child, developed all these underlying beliefs about myself. Fast forward many years later in another highly abusive relationship, I just really had enough. And I... I didn't fully understand I was a victim, but I knew something wasn't right. And I knew I deserved better than that. I just didn't know how to get it. So that started me on a path of seeking. Some of it I got through books. Some of it I got through courses. Some of it I got through divine intervention. And as a result of that, you know, it's we can make our lives miserable or make it great. Either way, it takes the same amount of effort. So half of my life was spent making it miserable. And I determined the balance of my life is going to be phenomenal. And it is. And I, I teach people how to have that peaceful life as well. So no more abuse, no more self-downputting myself, no more name-calling to myself, unless it's nice, sweet things that I say to myself. But it wasn't necessarily hard to do. It was the persistence piece of it that was hard to do and consistent piece of it that was hard to do. It's very easy to fall back into old patterns because our mind has been conditioned to those old patterns. So in the reconditioning of the mind and the body follows this, it takes a little bit of time, not a little bit. It could be, I don't know your audience. I know for me, it was about five years of being really heavy duty in unearthing all those negative beliefs I had about myself that I didn't even know really existed and that were driving my life. And then I took it to task by questioning whether they're even true. And time after time after time, I found out they weren't true. And I found that I was the one who created all those stories. You know, there's, um, I've learned that there are three kinds of business. There's your business, and there's my business, and there's the divine's business. And I 100% know that the only time we get in trouble is when we're in somebody else's business. And that can be even just in our thoughts. 
you say, no, that's not true. It is true. Think about little day-to-day -day things that we do. Maybe our spouse or a friend or somebody puts an outfit on on a particular day that we're meeting up with them, and we take a look and we think, what were they thinking when they put that on? Whose business are we in that moment? It's their business how they dress, right? Or the car cuts you off on the road, and we get all the fearful thoughts going when the only thing that has happened is the car has cut us off, but we've already mentally seen the accident, seen the blood, the gore, the ambulance, etc., and it has not happened. We're doing this to ourselves over and over. We got completely out of our business, which was just driving along the road, and somebody went quickly in front of us. That's it. No story. Words are just words until we attach meanings to them. Right, Michael? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I, I loved what you said. And I want to dive into this a little bit deeper. Um, but I loved what you said about this idea that you have to put in this time and this effort. And I am a proponent that it takes as much effort to destroy your life as it does to make your life as amazing as you want it to be. And, and you know, big part of that is, you know, what reality are you creating with your story? And I, I think people often misconstrue this idea about mindset and what that really means. But, you know, in a practical way, Sharon, how do you further step into creating the reality that you want to have today? So my whole attention is focused on the kind of life that I want. And I make sure when I say I surround myself with like kind people, I'm not necessarily talking about somebody right here with me. I It can be online like this. It can be podcasts that I listen to that are uplifting and that are along the focus of where I want my life to go. I've attended some in-person events like with Dr. Joe Dispenza and learned more about deep meditation and putting yourself in a space of nowhere, no, nowhere, no time and experience that a little bit. So it's, again, constant checking in with myself. I've definitely slowed down enough that if I get triggered, and it's rare now that I do, I immediately am able to look inside of myself and find out what that underlying belief was that ju I just got triggered by. Because it's not you doing it to me, it's me doing it to myself. And getting myself to this point where I can see that and not be reactive, rather internalized to the degree that I'm helping myself. I'm not putting anything outside of me. I'm not expecting you to love me, like me, support me, take care of me, because that, in fact, is my job. If you choose to do that, that's lovely. That's your choice, your business. But I have to be aware of what I'm doing at all times. And that, to me, is the key of everything. Am I being reactive? If you call me an ugly name, in the past, I would have got defensive. I would have been reactive and come right back at you and showed you just how ugly I could be. Nowadays, I could stop and think for a minute and I could find where I've acted that ugly person. And I can say, thank you, Michael. I appreciate you pointing that out to me. And then my mind is going to go, how must I be showing up right now for you to perceive me that way? And even acknowledging I have no control over the way you perceive me, again, that's your business, just as you have no control over the way I perceive you, 
I don't do that people-pleasing behavior anymore. I don't do the Cirque du Soleil act to try and get you to like me or love me. It's exhausting treating myself that way and, and putting that expectation on you. That's my expectation. Again, being mindful. What am I doing or what am I trying to do to someone else? You know, and I'm angry at anyone. That is a form of control and manipulation. But underneath that, the manipulation part is still me thinking, let's say it's my husband and I ask him to go somewhere with me and he doesn't want to. In the old days, I would have been, he doesn't love me enough. He doesn't think my idea is smart enough or the place I've chosen is good. It was always some form of not enoughness. Knowing that, I can tone that down and question it very quickly. Is it true he doesn't like me? Is it true he doesn't think the place? No, all he said was no. I just got that big story. We all do it. We all punish ourselves unnecessarily. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's such a great point. We we can fabulate the truth, right? We put ourselves in this position of of creating these narratives and creating these stories. Whereas I think constantly about the idea of the control that we have in those moments. Like if you can really tap in to be present with what's happening and, and to be fair, like you're using words that I think it takes a while to discover. You know what I mean? It takes some time to be able to look at your life and go, oh, I'm, I'm making up this story or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And to shift from this place of victim, from this place of shame and guilt and things of that nature to being more holy within yourself. And, and I always come back to this idea about like, what does your opinion of me have to do with me? What are your thoughts of you have to do with me? And, and that, that when I learned that, when I started teaching myself that it became such a profound tool, but yeah. I think that people still need more tips. They need more help for being able to be present in the present moment. So Sharon, how do you step into not only recognizing how to be present, but is there anything practical that we can leverage to be more present in our day-to-day life? So presence is always a broad spectrum. People say, oh, you've got to be present. Nobody really teaches us how. A few key things that I've done to help me slow down and get more in the moment, and this really came into play when I was endeavoring to learn to meditate because that mind just wants to keep running away. And that's okay. The moment you recognize it's running away, you can bring your thoughts back into that moment. Now you are beginning to recondition the mind to a new habit. The body will follow. And a perfect example of that is in our day-to-day life. You get up. We are habitual creatures. Probably go to the bathroom, have a cup of coffee, whatever it is. When you get dressed, we in, we always put the same leg in the same pant leg first or the same sleeve, excuse me, same arm in the same sleeve, left arm maybe first or brush your teeth if you're right-handed with your right for two weeks at a minimum, if not longer. If you change that routine up and let's say you use your right leg all the time, goes in your pant leg first, do your left leg. I promise you, you have to so focus on doing that or brush your teeth with the opposite hand, write something. It'll be comical in the beginning. However, the more you do it, the more it sinks in. And again, you're reconditioning yourself to this new way of life that you desire. And if you're watching this or listening to this, 
you're here because you must desire change at some level. And instead of staying a victim and crying the blues, poor me, poor me, yes, it's an attention getter, but it's the wrong type of attention. So as I said, it's, you know, we could, it's just as easy to make our life miserable as it is to make it wonderful. So if you really say, I want a life that's peaceful, and I always say, would you rather a billion dollars or peaceful thoughts? If you really are sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you're ready to take these steps. You're ready to slow down, to start doing some of these day-to-day things opposite. This is how you bring yourself into the present moment. Keep bringing yourself into the present moment. That's the easy way of doing it. Self-love is another topic. People say all the time, you have to love yourself. Great. How do I do that? I don't even know what love is kind of thing. Well, my dear friend Louise Hay, love her books. She has a salad story that I love recounting. If if you go to make yourself a salad, and let's say you have cherry tomatoes and you have lettuce and cucumber, and the lettuce is turning a bit brown, well, we just chuck off those leaves and put the rest of it in, and that cucumber's soggy, so we cut off most of it and put the rest of it into our salad. And then the cherry tomato is a little crinkly. We put that in. Now we have a salad for ourselves. Would you serve that salad to your company? No, of course you wouldn't. You're going to run out and you're going to buy all new produce and make this beautiful meal for them. So I ask you, why would you do more for somebody else than you would do for your own self? That is not an act of self-love to give yourself those soggy pieces of salad. and. One of the reasons we do do that is because, again, the conditioning. Parents have taught us, teachers have taught us, let that student go first, let the company go first, let them serve themselves first. We always pass the food to the company first, right? Who says? We're adults now. We don't have to do that anymore. We do what we want, right? Our parents get those voices out of our head. It feels a little funny, and you might feel a little bit of guilt, the first few times you start doing things like that, it's again, it's the process of reconditioning yourself. And if you do it enough times, the guilt feeling goes away. It feels normal and comfortable. And there's no hard feelings on anybody's part. Do you really think the company minds whether you serve yourself first if the dish is in front of you? Of course they don't, any more than if you were at your friend's home and they serve themselves first. You simply wait for it to come around. So it's reprogramming all those things that we learned and were told and were drilled into us at kids. I mean, when we were kids. And that sort of brings me to another topic, if I may, Michael, where we talked about the one-liners that we heard in our before you go there, I have a question because I think this is really important. And, yeah. and I know where you're going with the one-liners, but I, I want to touch, touch base on this. Sure. How does someone navigate the shame of putting themselves first? Because I think so often that becomes, and even in my coaching practice and working with thousands of people around the world, like that's the thing that I always hear. People go, well, I, I feel guilty. I feel shameful about putting myself first because I've never been allowed to. And I know that there's the misnomer and the, the, the nomenclature around the idea of you never put yourself first, always be of service. But how do you navigate that shame and guilt side of that? Because I think that's where people get held up the most. So shame and guilt if you stop 
and, and let's say you have the feeling of shame and I've experienced shame, what's underneath that? What are you, what's your underlying belief about yourself when you're experiencing shame? Yeah, I've generally, I mean, it, it's got to be fear, right? I'm doing something wrong. I'm a bad person. Yeah. So that's my underlying beliefs when I hit shame. It's my fault. I'm bad in some way. So now question that. Is it true 100% that if I serve myself before you, that I'm a bad person? No, it's not. But this underlying belief under that shame or under that guilt, I'm doing something wrong. Well, whose belief are, is still operating in our mind? That person that originally told us, grandmother, great granny, parents, whomever, that's their belief. Isn't it time we get our own beliefs? So in the shame and the guilt, you know, I want to rewind a little bit in my life. When my father molested me, it was, I shut that down for years. I didn't even remember it until I was late thirties, I think. And then it, I guess, was ready to come up. And as I started looking at everything behind that and the beliefs that I got and the pattern that, that, that happened in my life as a result of that, I got to see that as that eight-year-old, I believed it was my fault that that happened. I took all the blame for that. And I took all the shame with it. Um, you know, how does an eight-year-old even know to think that kind of line of thinking? We just do. We get those beliefs. So for years, I carried that. And again, looking back at that experience, it went all the way to to the, I had the thought that if I had never been born, it would have never happened, and and um, my father would never have been put in that position. Now, how innocent is that? So I took on those beliefs that it was my fault, that I was a bad girl, that this particular thing happened. As I learned to question and really see what was under that guilt and shame. It was always, I'm, I'm not enoughness. I mustn't have been a good enough little girl. I must have been a really bad girl for him to do something I'd been told nobody should ever do. And I was to tell my parents if it ever happened. And here's the very person I'm supposed to tell violating me like that. And I guess I was so traumatized, I had shoved it down for many years. But once I started looking at it, I still, for a number of years later, I didn't um, even, it didn't even occur to me to think of my father as a um, child molester. That word was like shocking to me. And yet, when I looked at it like that, it, all of that guilt and shame and everything just fell away. Because I looked at the truth of it. it, had nothing to do with me. And when you can get yourself to looking at those feelings of guilt and shame and what's underneath that, and who told you that you were bad or what you were doing was wrong, you'll find it's yourself really that's telling you that because you're the one that got that belief. Now question it. Is it 100% true that I am doing a wrong thing, a bad thing, or something I'm supposed to feel uncomfortable about? No, you're getting food for yourself because the dish is in front of you. I mean, it, it seems so basic and 
as I say it, it almost seems silly. And yet those beliefs are such a part of our life. They have such a clutch in us internally that that's what I said before. It'll take a little bit of time and awareness and bringing yourself back and not being reactive instead of just taking a moment And if you're in a rage with someone, that's okay. You have an opportunity afterwards to look at what got triggered. What was the belief underneath that? And is it real? Is it really true? And every time you'll find it is not true. They're not saying there's nothing hard about that. It's simply making the time in your life, the split seconds that it will take to see if you can find the underlying belief. And if as an adult, you you identify, let's say in my case, 38, it didn't come up until then about my father and what happened when I was eight. If you, let's say something today, Michael and I, you and, you and I have an argument and I get triggered and I have a belief, what I like to do now is find the earliest moment in my life after I've identified the belief when I felt like that, or what's the earliest moment in time that something like the argument you've had we've had happened and I can go back and I can say okay you know it was my mother I was 15 and I was in the kitchen and I got a glass of milk without asking and I got the daylights beaten out of me and told if it was good enough for the dog it was too good for me so that was the statement that was said to me the belief I took on was I'm worthless I am the bottom of the barrel. I don't deserve anything good in life. And I, there was no consciousness about that. I, I wasn't able to see this until I sat down and looked at that incident. And then after I put down all of those beliefs I got, then I was able to see how they'd been running my life since I was 15 years old all the way up into adulthood until I was able to identify them and question them. And it's pretty traumatic bringing this up. You know, I cried, obviously it was emotional and it was liberating. As soon as you identify those beliefs to come like that, and that's not to say something else might not trigger that belief again, but you've already questioned it. You already know it's not true. So it's so easy then to just let it go and to recognize what's going on in that person. What they say to you is about them. Everybody is a mirror reflection. And whether you see what you call good or bad in someone, all of that resides in you. If you see someone and you think they're being horrible, You've been horrible in your life at some moments and you're simply recognizing something that's now totally unattractive to you if you're no longer a horrible person. If you see someone that you say, I want what they have because they feel so awesome to be around and there's an aura around them, that's in you too. You just have to dig it out. And the only way I know to do that is to find those underlying beliefs and question them and let them go. And after a while, the more you do this, the more you do this, the more you do this, those awful people 
just fade away. You don't even have to terminate the relationships. They just fall away. And new people that are a healthier match for the energy that you're giving off now and that peacefulness in yourself, you'll find you'll be surrounded and those people will be drawn to you and you'll be drawn to them. And then life really does become more peaceful in our thinking. We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. That's really powerful. And, and thank you for sharing that story. It was really profound because, you know, as someone who's been through that experience as well, you know, I do recall these moments of like just the the unbelievable shame and guilt about it, the feeling like, why was I born if I have to suffer and so on and so forth. And then really recognizing and understanding exactly what you said. And that's that that had nothing to do with me. And to carry that shame and that guilt is actually a hindrance to the ability that I have to create the life that I want to have. But when we look at it and we recognize, and I think about this all the time, we're the sum total of all of our experiences leading to this moment. And that means that all the experiences that we have ever had inform who we are. And there are so many aspects of our life that they kind of just go by the wayside and we don't really take into consideration where you and your concept about these one-liners really starts to play a role. And I think this is pivotal. And what I hear in that, and I, I'd love for you to dive deep here, is just looking at and pinpointing these things that maybe even in passing inform so much of our life experience. I agree with you. And before I dive into the conversation about the one-liners, I agree that all of everything that has happened in our lives has taken us to the point that we are. In addition, though, I would add our reaction towards those things has largely contributed. So like I said, for me, at some point, I recognize, and you obviously did too, we're being victims in our own life, and it's actually our own creation. And now we don't want to be like that anymore. So we're doing something about it and continue. Once you continue on this path of self-discovery, self-awareness, enlightenment to me means every aha moment I have, that's a moment of enlightenment and it sticks with me. So all of that is the sum total of who we are today, but mostly how we reacted to it. We could have stayed victims. We could have been singing the poor me story like some people do until the day they die. Um, you know, Eckhart Tolle, I think it is, that brought up either Eckhart or Don Miguel Ruiz brought up about people when they get ill, let's say they've had a bad childhood and they become ill in adult life, they become their illness. This is the only time in their life that 
that they've had the kind of attention that they're getting. Oh, poor you. Oh, you poor thing. Let me get this. Da, 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 da. Wow, I'm going to really be sick for the rest of my life now because it's all unconscious attention. And I'm sure there'll be people that will say, oh, that's not true. It is actually true. And when we get really honest with ourselves, we can find that in us and then we can make an informed decision. Do we want to remain that way or do we want to restore our health and get on with a healthier kind of life? So to talk about those one-liners, when we're children, and I think some of it might depend on your age, but certainly my age group, we heard things over and over and over from our parents. And one thing I repeatedly heard was children should be seen and not heard. I also heard boys and men shouldn't cry, suck it up. Uh, children should speak only when spoken to. Michael, what ones did you hear? Yeah, I mean, that that's so much of the same experience that I had. Um, you know, when I, I think about that all the time, and I even think about these small things where, you know, even coloring outside the lines would be not acceptable or trying to wear a shirt that you wanted to show. I mean, there's just so many different levels of it where I feel like our thoughts were encumbered by other people's opinions of what we should or are capable of. Right. So to go back to the children should be seen and not heard. I was with a group and we were exploring a couple of things. And then I took a really deep dive into that. And I realized for me, constantly hearing, be quiet, children should be seen and not heard from my mother. I took a belief inside of me that I should be invisible. I'm unimportant. And that stuck. And that showed up throughout my life. I'd be in groups of friends and I'd be invisible. People would be at the same table talking around me. And I remember a few times saying, where am I, chopped liver? That was an expression. I don't know where it came from, what it means. But I truly was showing up as invisible and they were treating me as invisible. Speak only when spoken to. I was afraid to chime up and chime in Another one I heard was, don't air your ignorance in public. And how that one manifested is I'd go to networking events and I'd be silent. <laughs> I would be put in charge of projects and I'd be afraid to lead the project because I might air ignorance and then I'd be made fun of and everybody would know how stupid I am none of which was true. Those were the underlying beliefs I had gotten around those. Men and boys shouldn't cry. Today, we have an adult generation of men of whom their female counterparts say, he never shows emotion. Well, how can he? He was trained not to show emotion. Hopefully, today's generation is going to be brought up a bit differently. Anything that we give our attention to for any length of time, is going to come into our lives. It really, that whole law of attraction is true because it is our story that we are creating. It has to happen because we are creating it in our minds and causing it to happen. And it's a painful way of living life. It's very painful. Living life without understanding these unconscious beliefs exist in us, and how they keep attracting the same thing over and over and over. 
And at the point where I decided I had enough, I also had a realization, especially with um, intimate relationships. I recall internally saying and recognizing, I have to clean up my own baggage first, or I'm just going to take it to the next relationship, the next relationship, because I'm always the common denominator in all relationships in my life, friends, coworkers, etc. So if I keep having a problem with these people around me, they're not the problem, I am. And if I'm the problem, I'm also the solution. Yes? Yeah, and I, I think that just going back and playing through my own journey, um, that took a long time for me to understand. Uh, and part of that, sure, we can call it playing the victim role, but the other part of it was, like you, I didn't even know I was allowed to have an opinion. I didn't know I was allowed to put myself first. I didn't know that I was allowed to show up in any capacity as this idea of the person that I thought that I could be and part that had been taken from me, beaten out of me, you name it, whatever. And so I found myself constantly in this struggle of, well, how do you become you if you have no idea who you are? And so what I'd be really curious about, and, and for me, that journey was, okay, do all the therapy, do all the journaling, do all the self-help and personal development, go to all the conferences and just do all these other things. But what really felt like started to hold true and stick together in the process of creating my identity was I was just trying a bunch of stuff, right? And just taking out the things that didn't work and doubling down on the things that did. And so I'm, I'm really curious for people who have had that experiences like we have, and it may be different for everyone. How do you start to really take, I'm going to call it ownership of your life and learn how to put yourself first, but also in that, and I think this is where people really get lost, but in that is trying to have awareness around what you want. So using us as an example, at some point, you, you, you know that there's something not right. And you see other people who are happy and joyful, and it looks like their life is amazing. And you want that. You're almost pining for that while still a little bit of victim over here. And the more you focus on, I want that, I want that. This is true story. We were living in Germany at the time, and I just so wanted different parents. That's all I thought about because I couldn't take the abuse anymore. I was a teenager. I was embarrassed by my mother. I was beaten. I just couldn't take it. I was able to years later look back on this, but different. I've, I've always attracted people to, who tell me their problems, including adults. And different things in school and different babysitting jobs I did. There were a group of individuals separately that invited me to move stateside with them, to literally become part of their family. My best friend's mother approached my mother and asked to adopt me. And that's what focus does. That's what prayer is. It's just this total concentration. So if you truly know your life is so miserable and so unhappy, and that's all you know, and that you have got to get out, you've got to change it. it it's not just the other person it happens to, it can happen to you too, success, fabulous life, etc. So you so start reading. I used EFT as well. That's emotional freedom tapping. And if you go on YouTube, 
and pull up EFT. You can put in almost any topic in the world and there's some tapping to do. It hits meridian points in the body. It's like acupressure points. And what happens is as you're doing this tapping, it will bring up things that are ready to be released. And it usually is most unexpected. And you might burst out in tears. Great, let it roll. Let it come out. It's ready to come out. This is where, and we'll discuss this at the end, programs like what I offer now, having been through this, I know how to get to those first, in the first lesson, how to uncover those underlying beliefs. And then when you see them and do the exercises with them, it's like fast tracking it. And it's within six weeks, the six lessons, you've got enough tools, for lack of a better word, to help you be consistent with this. Now, we get lazy from time to time or procrastinate, I shouldn't say lazy. It's a bit of laziness in a way. We want that magic wand, and there isn't such a thing. There's certainly quick help, but you have to do the work. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to buy this book, I'm going to read chapter one and put it on the shelf forever. How many times have you done that? I'm definitely guilty of having done that. And I recognize I'm doing a disservice to myself because there was obviously something I thought I was going to get from it and I only gave it one chapter chance. So anything that you're going to do to create what feels like it's going to turn out or it's going to turn you out feeling better about yourself step by step by step, you must do it wholeheartedly rather than half-heartedly because you won't get anywhere otherwise. And I know we can all relate to this. Everybody has done this regardless of what it is. Started to watch something on Netflix and gave up on the series halfway through because something else, another shiny object caught our attention. Stick with one shiny object at a time, two at the most. Those books, if you get one thing out of it, write it down. Anything you watch in the EFT or do in the EFT, write it down. There have been things that I've done through a couple of EFT people. One was I always heard from my mother I would never amount to anything. And that statement kept recurring. I just could not seem to shake that thought in my head. And one day... I found an EFT practitioner on YouTube who was addressing that particular thing. Now, remember, a lot of the nasty things that happen in our life, we think we are the only ones who experience it. So the first aha was like, oh, my gosh, somebody else had heard this growing up, too. Incredible. So as I listened and went through the tapping, I didn't immediately get my answer. I felt better after I'd done the tapping. It was more thought-provoking, though. And I pondered it on my morning walks, and I realized that the word I had been looking for was my mother made me feel insignificant. By telling me I'd never amount to anything, she made me feel insignificant. Well, the truth is, my mother, all she said was, I'd never amount to anything. I said I was insignificant. She never even mentioned the word. And I was able to see that and let that go. And that was really powerful. Now, EFT helped me with that. 
the other, once I find what the belief is, then I take it to task of questioning. Is it true? She said, you know, the situation was, my mother said, you'll never amount to anything. And then I write, I'm angry at my mother because she said, I'm insignificant. And then I'm going to take it to task. And when I get to the very end, I find it's, well, first of all, in my mind, I said she was insignificant. I beat her up. I crucified her in that moment mentally for her nastiness towards me. So I made her insignificant, did the very thing I accused her of doing to me. And then I saw I made myself insignificant. How is that possible? Well, when she's telling me I'll never amount to anything, I believed her. I took that to heart. I made myself insignificant when I believed her. And when I didn't question the truth of that, I made myself insignificant. So it was me doing it to me. And I firmly entrenched that belief into my life for many, many, many years. And I know I'm not insignificant. I, I really didn't before, before that. I really, that was deep down inside. So it's just back to what I said, you must be consistent and persistent. And I know we hear this all the time, but it's like if you went to a buffet and all this food choice is there, you could not eat all of that food in one sitting, you would explode, right? So just like these underlying beliefs, on an emotional standpoint, our mind knows how much we can handle and our body at one time. So just bits and pieces will come up at different times. So going back to whatever your experience was, Michael, it didn't all come up at once, right? It trickled. It was like a trickle effect. And each time it was pretty emotional. It was such a relief to identify it and then see how has it been running my life and goodbye, no more. And the more awareness you have of how it's been driving your life, there's a little bit of um, mourning, like, oh, you know, so sorry, goodbye. And now get on with the new life. You know, it's so everything that happens, how do I know something should have happened? Because it did. That's a good mantra to adopt. When my son, when I got the news that my son died, my all day mantra, how do I know he should be dead? Because he is. If I had have argued with that and done the, and I'm not making light of death and I miss my son very much. And he is around me. I know this. But I kept saying, how do I know he should be dead? He is. Instead of, oh, my God, he left me alone. You know, what am I going to do now? And da, 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 da. That made me, a that would make me a victim. And that would make his death about me. How do I know it was his time to die? Because he's here in front of me and he's, his body is dead. His soul lives on. But um, anything, how do we know we should have tripped down the stairs this morning? Because we did. How do we know our neighbors should have thrown a party for us because they just love us? Because they did. And so when we stop, when we stop arguing and we accept what is, now you're no longer arguing with reality, with what has happened, and you can keep moving forward. Does dragging up the past over and over and over make you feel good? No, of course not. So why would we want to live in the past? When you stay focused, and this goes right back to what we were talking about earlier, when you keep your focus on what you do want, 
you will see it's a friendly universe and more of what you do. And you can want something, you can't control the outcome. So you, I want money. I want a lot of money. Well, I can't control how that money is going to come to me per se. You know, I might think, oh, I'm going to grow my business and it's going to be phenomenal. Heck, I could buy the winning lottery ticket or vice versa, right? I mean, it could come to me. I always wanted to see Alaska. And a friend of mine called me up. She said, oh, the other girlfriend can't come and I've got this ticket. I'll treat you. You want to go to Alaska? Heck yes. Same thing happened with the trip to China. I want these things and they come to me and they come with ease. But I didn't dwell on it. I didn't keep saying, oh, I want to go to China. I want to go to China or I want to go to Alaska. It was just a a passing thought. Wouldn't it be nice if? And I let go of the outcome and I just trusted one day it would be there and didn't know when. And within a year, both of those trips had happened. So this isn't woo-woo or airy-fairy stuff. This is just not living in the past anymore. It's done. You cannot change the past. What you can change, though, is your perception. You can rewrite the story that way. Just like the example of my father, I can look at him, and I'm not one to forgive people. I accept, and there's a big difference for me there. If I say I forgive someone, in the back of my mind, I'm still holding that they've done something wrong. And the relationship will always be slightly off. But if I accept that's who and what that person is, was, then there's a a relaxation inside of my body. doesn't mean I have to keep on the relationship, which I didn't. I just accept that's who he is. Done. Yeah, that's so powerful, Sharon. I I think like you're so spot on on so many different aspects of this. And those are great parables for thinking about life. It is so much about acceptance and letting go and allowing the world to exist in the way that it exists because this is our reality. And we could go so much deeper and so much more into this. And I love this conversation because I'm right there with you. Um, But quickly, before I ask you my last question, can you tell everybody where they can find out more about you? Thank you for that. So you can go to our website, which is isittrue.com. Very simple, is it true? And I invite you to go. There's a, a document out there called Relationship Restoration, and it has eight fantastic topics in it that I've addressed and looked at them in just the way we've been talking about to help you see certain things a different way. And we do these things every single day. One is about expectations. One is about anger. And I really break it down. And in just becoming aware of it, those are some of the first steps forward to changing life towards how you want it to be. So is it, and you can follow us on Facebook. It's, is it true? I think we're the only, is it true out there? Instagram. And if you want to reach me directly, you can do info at isittrue.com and I'd be happy to respond to you. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here and for such an incredible conversation today, my friend. My last question for you is, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? It means that I gave up my need to be right. And there's a lot of peace in that. It means I accept everything as it is. And I don't argue against reality anymore. It's just futile. And that's part of the problem in the early life, just constantly fighting against it instead of accepting it. 
And that's it. Unbroken means I'm peaceful. I live a life I love today. I truly do. I have a wonderful husband, two wonderful greyhounds and a uh, rescue cat. And we live a great life. I love that. Very beautiful, poignant, and well said, my friend. Thank you again so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening or watching. Please like, subscribe, comment, leave a review, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see you. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.